Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of When Can I Quit My Job. Today, I'm going to be interviewing my friends from Wealth Without Wall Street, Russ the Idea Guy, Morgan, and Joey the Italian Stallion, Murray. I know I've talked to you all about these guys and their podcast, uh, so I kind of wanted to give you guys an introduction to them, see what they're all about, and hear a little bit about their background and what brought them to where they are today. So here they are, Russ Morgan, Joey Murray. Enjoy the show. Welcome into the show, and I'd like to like to welcome Russ and Joey. Do you guys do you guys always get introduced by your full uh, boxing names? Russ, Russ, the idea guy, Morgan, and uh, Joey, the Italian style Murray. Absolutely. I mean, there's no other way, is there? I mean, come on. Well, I, I, I usually refer to Joey as lots of things, so there's, there's, you know, there's like, we'll, keep the, we'll keep it clean today. Well, we're, not, we're, not, we're not PG on here, but we'll keep it clean today. Um, so, so how are you guys doing this morning? Good, man. Doing great. Yeah, grateful to be on the show with you. Excited to, to share and to uh, be a part of the When Can I Quit My, quit my Job crowd, you know? Can we be called quit heads? Or is that only you, once you, you actually get to that point? Because we're not necessarily quitting our jobs anytime soon. No. Well, I well, mean, I hope we actually technically, Joey, we are quitting our jobs soon. We're just not quitting our business soon. Ah, oh, okay. tell me more about Maybe that. You can clarify that for us, Noah. Yeah, well, to to me, it means uh, if you don't have a soul crushing job, then then you're you're there. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is that like there can be soul crushingness in specific jobs. Like, I mean, when you see it work, right, there's many jobs within your work. Oh, right. And there's plenty like paperwork is soul crushing to me. Like, <laughs> next time I have to like pick up a piece of paper, like just please crush me on that. Well, that's why you got you got to work your way out of that. So, yeah, I, I, right. I, I sounds like you guys are 90 percent there. We'll, we'll call you honorary quit heads. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I mentioned to you guys before, uh, my, my audience is familiar with your podcast, at least from me talking about it, but they're not, um, may, they may not have listened to the full catalog. So I kind of want to give them a brief introduction to you guys. Um, I thought maybe I'd start with, uh, with you, Russ. Um, I'm kind of interested in your, your more corporate background, where you came from, and then, um, maybe a moment when you had kind of a, a shift in mentality or when you started to maybe go in the direction where you've ended up now? Yeah. Well, not, not to bore everybody, but the, the key is, I, I think the key moments are getting into the financial industry, like dreaming of it. Like I'm going to be this really slick wall street investor. You know, you, you watch all the movies and I, I'm not talking about the bullet rooms, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 the, the really cool stuff. And you're yeah. and you're like, man, this is this is what it's gonna be. And then you realize, no, it's not exactly that way. You're really just a high-paid sales guy, and you don't know much more than they do. Right. <laughs> it's like the the really like the part that kind of disturbed me really quickly is that uh, that I my mentors in the financial industry at that time were just really good at getting people to part with their money, and, and so that <laughs> it, that happened for about four years, and the the market helped me understand that. I nor anybody around me knew what was going on. And 
I, I was at a conference in Orlando, Florida in 2009. I met a, a man who was talking about how to use a whole life insurance of all things. The thing that I would have <laughs> thought was like the worst place to put money. It's a scam. And because of all the training I had up to that point with my certified financial planning designations and all the series um, licenses that I had to sell securities. And, and that set me on a, a path to, to freedom. And it wasn't until, you know, Joey and I really kind of partnered up in 2015 that we kind of understood a, a deeper meaning of what we were doing as it relates to, you know, helping people build and protect wealth and invest in the, the assets that they understand, like business and real estate and lending and stuff like that. So, yeah, so my background was like really one of those that went the traditional route. And then all of a sudden, like, man, I, I took a, a right turn. And, man, it's just amazing how that chain of events ha has impacted my life. And most sure. But then the, the amount of people that I've been able to talk to and get to know because of it. And I assume, um, I assume the person that you, you're, you're referring to there is Nelson, Nelson Nash. That's right. Yeah. Like Nelson Nash, you know, he, it was a, a man that Joey and I got to know and, and spent a lot of personal time with, because the funny thing about this Noah is that I had actually heard Nelson Nash speak all across the country. I've been at a, this event that happened every January mm -hmm. and it was where about 500 different CFPs, CPAs, financial advisors, just financial people in general would come together. And it was kind of a hodgepodge of things that were talked about. But a lot of it was most strategy and efficiencies and how to do things better. And right. he had spoken at it. And I I'd met him when I was in New Orleans. I'd seen him when I was in Phoenix several times. And this happened to be in Orlando, Florida, this one. And then when I, I bought his book, actually, after hearing him speak in 2009, my ears were open. You know, I was kind of ready yeah, to learn. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm flying back and I'm reading the book. I finish it because it's a pretty short read, about two hours. If you, if you kind of go straight through, it, don't get hung up on all the, the numbers in it. And I flip it over on the back of it. It says Rocky Ridge Road, Alabama, uh, Rocky Ridge Road, Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> this guy literally lives in my backyard. And, wow. And that, that started a, a wonderful friendship for 10 years. We spent a lot of time with Nelson. He, as you know, he passed earlier this year. But yeah, it, it, amazing to, to learn from, from the man himself. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little upset I never got to meet him. Um, it's a real shame. Um, so, so, Joey, I guess same kind of question for you. I know your background is a little bit different, your, your corporate background. Um, tell us a little bit about where you came from and then maybe what, what was the mentality shift uh, in your mind that kind of led you toward where you are now or started, started it anyway. Yeah, so I, I was, my background was in mortgage. I was a, a mortgage loan officer for 11 years and um, I actually managed loan officers near the end, last four or five of those, and had uh, at that point up to 25 loan officers. I was closing 20 loans a month myself. Um, wow. That should equate in your mind to, hey, Joey worked like 170 hours a week. <laughs> silly. Uh, wow. I don't know about, about that. And I was really good at that, but I, I realized about four or five years before I quit, I, I I met Russ and he shared with me right at the outset, he's like, hey, I met Nelson Nash. I've read this book. I think there's something to this. Would you would you read it and let me know your thoughts? Mm -hmm. And it was just at that time that I had uh, been making a lot more money, but then kind of getting to a point where I'm like, okay, what do I do with this, number one? 
And number two, how, I, why don't I feel like I'm getting ahead financially? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm making more money and I would have assumed once you get to this precipice, just to give you some sort of a context, I was making over 300 grand a year. And yeah. I was thinking, well, once you get to that point, I mean, you should feel successful financially. Like you should have more money in your accounts. Like there should be this, this point where, man, I, I feel more successful. And I just wasn't. And at the time I had two little girls and I started thinking, well, how can I start saving some of this money for their college? And I started looking around. I was like, there's really not a good place that I feel comfortable saving this money. Cause one, I wanted to have access to it mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be liquid and I want it to be available for anything, not just college, just in case. I mean, my kids right. were like three and one at the time. Like, what if they didn't want to go to college? What if right. they decided against it? And I don't know what, you know, 15 to 20 years down the road looks like. Um, why would I make decisions today that would hamper me from being able to use my money in the future or to add unnecessary taxation? And so it was perfect timing for Russ to give me this book because I was like, bang, okay, this makes all the <laughs> sense in the world. Yeah. I can put money away. It can be growing the whole time. I can use it for other investments along the way that I know about and not just trust the stock market, which this is right on the heels of 2008. If, you know, if you're kind of keeping track of the time frame, and I'd lost money in the market and I was like, never again, am I doing that? Like, why would I keep putting money in the market? And so anyways, it was just perfect timing. I started implementing it personally mm -hmm. and I ended up with three policies in the first year started putting wow. over 60 grand a year into policies because I was like, this makes all the sense in the world. Sure. So fast forward four years, I'm going to conferences with Nelson Nash. I'm going to uh, things with Russ here in Birmingham and really other places and learning from the best. And I'm like, finally, after four years, I'm like, why don't more people know about this? It was kind of like this right. dawned on me. Like I need to be doing it this. Like I need to be sharing this with people. This is something that's almost like I've been entrusted with like a, a some gold or where to find gold. And yet yeah. there's only like one person out of a million that know it, you know, <laughs> like this is, this is silly. Why am I not doing this? Hey guys, I just want to take a quick second and share with you a new project I just put together. This is a compilation of angry voicemails set to some epic music. I think you'll enjoy the sample. I think you'll enjoy the full thing even more. Yeah, I received some sort of a purchase agreement. You sent us an offer for $450? You guys sent me a fucking thing about my property. Looks like a scam. We will sell this land when we are good and ready to sell this land. So I'm pretty proud of this project. At the time, I told Liz it was the greatest thing I've ever done. You'll definitely want to hear the full version on our Patreon page. Go check it out. Now back to the show. And so I went home and my wife was pregnant with our fourth daughter. So if you're keeping tabs, I had two daughters. Now there's then there was four. I now currently have five daughters. If anybody, they're active. You know, wants to, <laughs> uh, wants to uh, have any any notes on raising your own sorority, but um, 
But so I, I went home. She's pregnant with my fourth daughter. And I said, hey, uh, babe, I think I need, to, I need to go and do this full time. And you almost could hear a pin drop. And then all of a sudden she looks at me and says, I think you should. And I was like, wow, really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just thought this was an idea that I came up with. But, but she really had been praying that I would find some relief from all those hours of work. She wanted sure. you to quit your job. Yeah, yeah. she wanted me to be a quit head for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyways, I left there in 2014, about six months later, and um, started from scratch uh, doing, doing what we're doing at Wealth Without Wall Street now. It wasn't named that at the time, but um, that's how it kind of led to Russ and I partnering up. Wow. Now, so you guys... You said that you both had been to Nelson Nash's conferences and things like that, and it took kind of the, the maybe what happened in the stock market or things like you said, Joey, in your own personal life to kind of open your eyes to being, being able to see what was in front of you. Um, are you baffled by that? I mean, because I assume, I assume there hasn't been a, a groundswell of, of people following in your footsteps that these conferences are all there to see people like Nelson Nash and you guys talk about, you know, the, the concepts you guys deal with on a daily basis. So, I mean... Do you guys, are you still baffled by that, by going to these conferences when, and everybody's still being blind to it? Or, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? It's, it, is, it is amazing to me, Noah. Like, and we've seen, and we've gone to a ton of these conferences, and at different times you see like a lot more people talking about it and are into it. But then at the same time, they, they change, and, and they speak out of you know, both sides of their mouth, and it, they, yeah. especially people that are in this side of the industry where they still want to be able to do the financial markets, right? I mean, they, they like yeah. the idea of having, you know, some security within these plans, but at the end of the day, they're, they're really, they're bought in hook, line and sinker that, man, I need return. And the only way to get return is through the markets, like the traditional, like, well, uh, you know, Wall Street markets. And it, right. and it just, they forget. I mean, but, but at the, also it's, it's so hard to unlearn an idea, right? Like, sure. You know this, you have children, like when we're teaching kids right now, like it's amazing. It's really easy to like teach them a concept because they don't have this like preconceived notion. They don't have this like the already, bias or whatever. Yeah. This bias is programming within them. Right. But to unlearn something <laughs> is ridiculously hard. So I'm always amazed when I meet people and we, we've got to meet people all over the country that were, were, were physicians, were attorneys, that were doctors. I mean, you, you name it. And, and they have decided like Joey to leave their careers to teach people what we're teaching because they were just like, man, there's just not enough people out there teaching this. And that's, you know, the most common response is why aren't most people, you know, more people doing this. And the reality is it's just, it's not marketed and promoted the way everything else is. And there's just not a ton of people. Well, and, and to answer your question further, Noah, I think I'm not shocked that there's not this huge groundswell mm -hmm. because Wall Street is the greatest marketer on the face of the planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have, they have, I mean, they, I don't know if they use neuro-linguistics programming <laughs> or what it is, but they have consistently communicated to us and when i say us the american public that we can't do things without them like that we can't be 
um, responsible for our own wealth, we're just going to screw it up. So we need to give our money away to them. And by the way, let them screw it up. Right. You know, so. <laughs> Isn't that the same program we get that we must have a W-2 job? We have to work for somebody. Right. You have to go to school to get a good job so that you can make a good mm -hmm. paycheck because someone else should be in charge of your future. Yeah. Right. Which is exactly so, what we're fighting against here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we, what we are consistent, and you know this from listening to our show, we're constantly trying to uncover the mental programming, the what we call it the Wall Street mindset. And it's big banks and it's Wall Street. And here's the thing, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist necessarily. I'm just like, hey, these are big businesses. And they have done a fantastic job of convincing us that we need to give them our money. And heck, I mean, if you're a business and you can convince people to give you lots of money, you're successful. And Obviously, they've done a good job. Yeah. You know? So, anyways. I was I was going to ask you when you said I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Do you guys ever in, in groups of of uh, financial people do you feel like uh, Wall Street deniers? Yeah. Well, there, there's no <laughs> doubt. Like I, I mean, he, he said not necessarily. So there's there's a little like tinfoil <laughs> hat that he he had put on from time to time. With <laughs> but I, I mean, the, at the end of the day, there is there was a. Uh, a plan developed of how to get us to go to work for people and how to, to get us to, to part with our money. Like that's sure. not conspiracy. That's truth. Right. And I mean, that's business strategy, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I mean, we, we definitely take on the hate mail. I mean, you know, and that, that's actually when you know you're really hitting home with some points is when you, when you, <laughs> like you get enough thumbs down on your, uh, YouTube pages, <laughs> you know, like you're really like, we got some videos out there that, you know, have 20, 50, 70,000 views on it, which is, yeah. you know, minor relationships to some of the funny stuff you can see on YouTube, <laughs> like from a, like a financial educational thing. That's a, that's a yeah. lot of people, a lot of eyeballs. And when you get, you start getting people like get a hundred something comments on something, you know, you're hitting, you're hitting the nail on the head on something. <laughs> So I have, I have a question. I think a lot of uh, people who listen to this show, there, there's there's two things you guys probably run into a lot as far as an objection to 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 starting um, a fund to be used for the infinite banking concept. And one is I'm too young, I don't make enough money, and one's I'm too old, it's too late. So I think I think maybe particularly the the too young people or the people who don't think they make enough money uh, might be the people listening to this show. So so what do you guys say when somebody brings that up to you? Well, I, I think what we typically would say is we first start with the first pillar of Wealth Without Wall Street, and that's cash flow. So cash flow is one of those things that most people, if you ask somebody today, hey, could you save $1,000 a month? They would say, oh, my gosh, that's impossible. Like, I don't right. have that kind of cash flow. There's no chance I could do that. But if they really looked at their cash flow differently and they started to find places where maybe they're paying debt off in a certain way and they don't realize that they could be doing it a different way that could open up free cash flow that they're unnecessarily sending back to banks and other institutions that they should be having flow towards them thus helping to fund a policy before it goes to pay off but, debt. let's use you as an example joey like when you and i met how much money were you quote unquote, saving, investing, whatever you want to call it. I, I probably, 
I don't remember exactly, but I know I was putting money in my 401k, which was probably what, 6% or something like that, three, three to 6%. And then I was just putting some money in savings from time to time. I wouldn't have been able to tell you exactly. So if, if you said 3% of $300,000, that would be nine grand. Right. Let's right. Just, so so it, it, you were saving nine to potentially as much as $18,000 a year. Right. And, and you, you are to admittedly said, I was not successful. I didn't see my money, didn't have access to it, but then told Noah right after the fact that you started putting in three times that amount in, into policies. What is it that you did differently in your life that allowed you to see that much more cash flow? Because what you said is true. Like it, we know that our money is flowing through our hands and we, we rarely get to capture much of it. And it's really because we've already mentally allocated it to all these different places. And when you and I sat down, we, we, yeah. we, we really um, broke down and found a lot of things that, Hey, by the way, this is maybe inefficient in the way I'm doing it. Yeah. So I, I recognized, um, I didn't catch it right away. And this is, this is the other part about infinite banking. The process is you can grow over time. And that's what we love about it. You start with one policy that you can see, and I kind of think of it like you're at the end of a tunnel and you're looking out the other end, right? And you can only see this really small circle, if you will. Sure. But as you walk towards the other end of that tunnel, you start to see that there's a lot more that was always there, but now it's come into view because you have more perspective, right? Right. And I think that that's true of my journey with infinite banking. So I started with, one thing that I was, I said, okay, I know I can do this with a policy. And it was, ended up being $2,000 a month. And I said, okay, I know I can apply what I've learned so far to this. And within six months, I, I recognized, I mean, maybe it was Russ shared me a, a good idea, you know, the idea guy. But he was <laughs> like, I mean, you're getting a tax refund every year. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, so why don't you just change your, uh, your elect, your W-4 elections and, and, or, uh, you know, and keep more of that money today and have it work for you today. I'm like, uh, I didn't know you could do that. So that makes a, a wow. lot of difference. Yeah. That, that was another almost 20 grand a year policy because I didn't realize that I could have done it. And then wow. shortly thereafter, I start a third policy. Stop on that point, because this is like, especially if, you know, a lot of your listeners know are, are people that are trying to quit their job, right? So you right. you do, you, you get this form, you're not educated in how to fill out the forms. You get no help from HR because usually they don't know how to fill out the form <laughs> themselves. And, and there you are. And at the end of the year, you know, come March, April, whenever you're filing your taxes, you get this big refund check. And most people look at that as like a super home run. They're like, yes, got my refund check. And a lot of people... <laughs> I mean, you know this. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I've met tons of people and be honest, like when I was working uh, as an employee too, like I looked at that as like, oh man, I'm going to allocate that money to do X. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's to buy something, whatever it was. It was like, like, like this is like this party that's going to happen once a year. And mm -hmm. it never dawned on me that it was, I was literally giving an interest-free loan to the government 12 months out of the year. And, 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 <laughs> right. and most people never look at that. And so, you know, I, I thankfully, you know, started looking for areas of like, how can I get more of my money back? Like, I want to quit sending the majority of it away to others and letting them benefit off of it. How can I get more of it back? And looking at Joey, it was like, hey, man, you, you're, you know, just looking at his tax return. 
and they're telling me about this $20,000 refund he got every year. I'm like, okay, let, let's fix this. This isn't, and by the way, there's no real simple way to do it. You just start increasing your exemptions on your little withholding, W4, yeah. your withholdings. Yeah. And we, we, kept, we kept having to play with it. It wasn't yeah. perfect at first, but then ultimately you, you kind of get it to the number. And then you start looking at other areas. You're like, man, okay, let, let's talk about our mortgage, right? Let's figure out how we're paying for our house. And, you know, we're, we're told all the time, man, I, I got to get rid of that debt. I got to be, you know, the you know American dream is to be 100% out of debt, have my home paid off. And I'm not saying right. that that's a bad idea or bad premise, but the way we go about doing it is a lot of times not in our best interest, meaning right. that we, we go and we get short-term mortgages, like 10 or 15-year mortgages versus 30, and we start trying to knock it out that way. Or we start doing the the buy the buy monthly payments right you, you, you start figuring mm, out like yep. oh well what if i make an extra two thousand dollar a month payment on it and what people don't understand is that as when that mortgage exists on the books you are at the greatest risk of losing your house when you're making extra payments and i'm gonna say that again when you still have a mortgage at the bank and you're making extra payments whether that's 15 year mortgage payments bi monthly payments or extra payments every single month Month, you're at the greatest risk of losing your house. And people go, well, how's that? I'm reducing my debt. But the thing is, is if you lose your job before you quit it, yeah. <laughs> if you can't make the next monthly payment, do you know that equity in your house is subject to being lost? Because the bank forecloses on your house. Do you know what they sell your house for? Not what it's worth. They <laughs> sell for how much they can get their money out of it. And right. whoever buys it ultimately inherits your equity. There's, exactly. there's, there's so many ways to find all this, this extra, I mean, equity is not the right road, but yeah, just what you're talking about. Like before, before you have a mindset, mindset shift, um, there's, there's just all these ways that you would never even think of, like you're saying, and plus that, that feed into that wealth, uh, that wall street kind of narrative, um, of owning your own house, your house is your biggest asset and all those kind of things, those chains you have to break before you can start walking in the right direction. Yeah, well, so, I mean, you, you, we start, like, we sit down with them, we start talking about these things, and we say, okay, well, here, here's your exemptions. Let's, let's, let's fix that. Let's, let's take the refund check. And, and, by the way, you don't have to wait a year to have a, a party. <laughs> we, we can have one monthly. I mean, we literally can get access to this money monthly. I literally and, had a party every month. No, no. <laughs> you don't have to, even though they, they ask you to, and they uh, uh, automatically enroll you into the sign-up to put money in this one game. You don't have to do that. Hey guys, I want to take a quick second to play a clip of our newest Patreon bonus content. The full-length audio of this is about one minute long, and it is not bleeped on our Patreon page. All you have to do is become a $5 a month patron, uh, and you can listen to this uncensored. Man, f*** you, cock-sucking faggot motherfuckers. Why don't you motherfuckers eat shit and fucking die? How about that? Like I said, it's just a small clip. If you'd like to hear the part about finding us and feeding us the crocodiles, go over to Patreon. Now back to the show. Oh, by the way, you don't have to make extra payments on your mortgage in order to get it paid off. Be honest, you actually are safer not doing it this way. And so we start going through lots of different little areas like that, which, again, for some people, it adds up to lots and lots of dollars. Like for Joey, we, we end up getting up to $60,000 in one year. Yeah. But for some people, it's 6000 You know, the, the numbers are irrelevant. Right. Your percentage and where you are in life is is literally just 
being more efficient. So your, your question is, if you're talking to somebody, which we do a lot, right? We talk to people who are kind of just now starting out and they're looking for ways to, to get, get this going. It's usually just getting more efficient. And it's, it's those little things that we're already doing. It's not like, Hey, Noah, I know uh, you guys are, you know, you're, you're normally saving $500 a month, but I want you guys to quit eating out. I want you to quit going on vacation. <laughs> I want you to quit, you know, buying clothes. By the right. way, hey, let's just forget all of that stuff and let's squeak out another 600 bucks a month out of it. Right. <laughs> We're not going to ever have that conversation. That's terrible. That's, that's not the plan. That's not the strategy. But there are dollars that are going out the door that we easily are okay, like, okay, yeah, if you can find a way to, like, help me pay off the house in the same amount of time, maybe even faster, and I can send this money through an account that benefits me, like, I'm all for it. Uh, that That's what I would say. There's probably areas that they didn't know of that could help them find more cash. I think before we met, I was uh, I was paying an, an additional uh, $700 a month on school loans that were at maybe 5% interest or something like that, and that was one of the changes I made. Um, you know, if, if I can't find a place to earn me more than 5% on my money, then maybe I shouldn't have that money to begin with. But, right? <laughs> but so you guys, you guys touched on the first pillar um, of what you guys call your five pillars. Um, maybe give a quick background of, of where those came from and maybe touch on each one real quickly if you could. Yeah, so the five pillars actually came um, just from a, us looking at what we did on a daily basis. And, you know, for us, you know, cash flow is, is king. You know, there's some people say cash is king, but the reality is, is that if that money isn't flowing, just like water um, doesn't <laughs> flow through us, we die. If cash isn't flowing through our business, so through our hands, our, in essence, financially, we die. And so we're, sure. we're all about finding cash flow. So that's one. Uh, the other one is obviously cash value life insurance, and, and we, we're not fans of all cash value life insurance. We, we, we look at it as a place to put the cash flow before we invest it. And so we, we look first for savings, and the only savings instrument that I know that fits that model for cash value life insurance is dividend-paying whole life insurance. And, and that's, again, very contrary to everything that I was taught in the financial sector it's not about the return. It's literally about the safety and guarantees of it. And, and then it's, okay, if I'm going to invest money, so I got, my, I got cash flow, I, I've been more efficient with it. I've got savings, which is my cash value life insurance. Now I'm going to make a decision to invest. And, and for us, as we kind of looked at kind of what were wealthy and successful people doing, success always leaves clues. And we, we noticed that there was very prominent things that, people were doing that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And that's owning real estate. That's being the bank that's doing lending and that's owning a business. And, and for us, there's, you know, there's a million different nuances to those three different types of investment, but that's what we had seen personally as Joey doing mortgages, looking at tax returns, seeing what people were doing with their money, me being an advisor, looking at what people were doing with money and where the success was happening. And so it was like really like, hey, so we, we're going to be really all in on these three types of investments. We're going to help people create cash flow. We're going to help people like create a great savings tool, which is the cash value life insurance. And then we're going to bring in experts and, and teach people all we can because we're not experts in all three of those investing areas. Not even close. But we, you know, it, <laughs> well, it, there may be nuances, niches within those right. three that we are. But I mean, like 
I mean, obviously, Noah, you're, you're, you, you love land investing. Right. Well, that's just like, like a small microcosm of real estate investing as a whole. Oh, There's sure. There's so many other nuances. And, and sometimes people want to be an expert in all areas. And what they ultimately end up doing is being like mediocre in a lot of things. <laughs> so so we, we know the riches are in the niches. And so we've tried our best to be very um, micro-focused in those three areas, but very focused in just one specific part of it. So just, just to sum those up again, it's cash flow, cash value life insurance, business, real estate, and lending. That's, those are our five main pillars, just to answer your question more oh, succinctly. Okay, I appreciate it. So um, I love the fact that, well, you guys have all kinds of different types of investors on your show, which is really great um, to kind of get different perspectives on different business models and things like that. And most of the time they fall in, uh, in line pretty well with your pillars. But so the, the kind of community that you've built, um, I was a member, well, I'm still a member of your, your Facebook group that you grew, um, which has really been valuable for me just to be able to talk to other investors and likewise uh, minded people because it's not always that easy to find those types of people. Um, and you guys are coming out, uh, you just recently came out with a new tool to kind of get those groups of people together. And I wonder if you could kind of tell uh, the audience a little bit about that tool. So, yeah, what we, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. What we've found was is people are doing these things like cash value life insurance, like land flipping, like um, tax strategies and things of this nature. They're actually the lone wolf to a certain degree. Like if you, if you're sitting at the water cooler and you start talking about your super high cash value life insurance policy, the other (laughs) five people at the water cooler are looking at you like you are the biggest moron of all. <laughs> I've had that conversation. So, <laughs> maybe Noah, you've experienced something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but so what we found was, is there's a big need for community in, within this space. Cause we're going against the grain here. I mean, wealth without wall street is not a, um, it's not a in the middle kind of deal. It's a polarizing brand and something that we're looking at saying you can't just you can't be in both camps right you're this is a totally opposite camp right and so anyways we had to have a really strong community what that's morphed into now is our uh, community dot it's you can actually join it at community.wealthwithoutwallstreet.com and what you get in that is now Obviously, the first thing it says community. So you're networking with people across the country that are doing these things. You're getting education. So we get Q and A's with all of our podcast guests. Um, sometimes that's most every week. We do live coaching calls with each one of the five pillars. So we've had tax strategy coaching. We've had um, debt strategy coaching. We've had Um, people in the business sector, like how to grow your business by hiring the right employees and things of that nature. We have real estate specific things. Like just yesterday, we interviewed Mark Podolsky on land flipping. So we could have more intimate question and answer time to go deeper into some of these issues. And we've had a, a private lending person. So we're doing group coaching. And then on top of that, um, we're allowing people to just expand their minds and in general about these things. So maybe you, you're not ready to jump into land flipping or you're not ready to jump into 
starting a whole whole life policy. You just want to be educated. So it's all right there in one place. Well, and I felt like too that one of the things that we, we noticed, as you said, like we there's this very subtle group of people out there that are trying to to do these things that are outside of Wall Street. And a lot of them are, are using tools like these cash value life insurance policies, but they already had, they already had uh, an advisor in their local town that they just felt more comfortable dealing with mm-hmm. than dealing with somebody like us. But yet they right. would get on our podcast and they would listen and they'd be like, man, I just love it because you guys are giving a lot more details. You know a lot more about this than, you know, than my friend does or, or whoever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like they, they, they were able to get the policy set up right, and, and thankfully so. I mean, we've seen a lot of bad ones out there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they were able to get that part, but they were seeking community. They were looking for somebody else to teach them the the 201s, the 301s, you know, the advanced right. courses on how to use it, right? Because there's a right. lot more to this. There's an old saying, you're not everybody holding the poles fishing, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what I see with, with people with this is a buy life insurance policy, and then they're like, oh. So now it's magic. It happens. Yeah. And that's not, the, that's not the case. You know, you really, you, you have to, you have to know what's going on. And sometimes people need to see and hear what people are doing. And as you saw with us in our Facebook group, that's what, that was what was happening, but it was limiting and not to mention that it was distracting, right? Like sure. You go to Facebook to learn this one thing. And two hours later, you're like, wait a second, what just happened to my life? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> And so we, we wanted to build a tool that would give us access to the community, but would also allow us to avoid the distraction and to pour into more content and creation that, that our Facebook community wouldn't allow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so for context, just to give an idea of how um, maybe few and far between people who do what you do are, I'm in Indiana and I found you guys in Alabama and you guys have, <laughs> I've, I've been using you guys since the beginning. Um, so, I mean, just to kind of give a, a little bit of context, but it's, I think it's the same way for people using uh, the IBC method. You feel, you feel like you're an island, even if you, if you live in the same city as the person who, who does your account, you know, maybe, maybe you know they have other clients, but, you, you know, your friends, your family might not, might think you're a weirdo. So, I mean, just having that community space with other weirdos, it means a big deal, I, I assume. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Simon Sinek has a talk that he does on the circle of safety. And he, he, he speaks to that, is that when we are around others, we have this sense of security and we're willing to take what he would call risk or liberties or whatever. And, and, and I, we've seen that, too, is that people who are doing this, that, you know, they want to go out and tell their friends at work or, you know, go, go out uh, to the bar and, and share with uh, you know, co-workers what they're doing and and they're like man uh that didn't go well and they come back and they share the <laughs> stories out of the community and like you know 10 people pipe in and they're like man i tried that same thing and then somebody shares like well here's what i did and, and it it helps them because like joey said like we do feel like we have gold and or whatever the cure for financial cancer or whatever you want to call it and we don't want to <laughs> be selfish and hold it on just to ourselves we want to share it with other people and, and it's that freedom to, to have a place that is safe that, you know, like, man, there's other people doing this and, and, and at all levels, right. I mean, th- there's success in, in, in different stages, 
but it is it is a place and like you said we've got people all over the country uh, one of these days we need to do like a map so just to show yeah, like kind of like map. a heat map show where people are <laughs> but mm-hmm. like our, our our community is not initially when we first started doing this was very centralized in the southeast and now it's it's everywhere it's crazy wow well, um, I think that gives us a good idea. Um, I highly encourage everybody to check out the Wealth Without Wall Street uh, podcast. Thank you, thank you guys both so much for coming, Russ and Joey, and being on the show. Man, I'm glad uh, to be here, and man, thank you for what you're doing and creating a space for people to to really help break out of that soul crushing job. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to When Can I Quit My Job? Please remember to support the show by visiting whencanIquitmyjobshop.com and clicking the Patreon and Amazon links. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us. Liz and Noah are not financial or legal advisors, and all information given on this podcast should be consumed for entertainment purposes only.